0: Bible reading today is found in Luke 10, 25 to 28. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord with all your God, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. it's all about you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you're already working in our hearts this morning. That you are moving us closer to you every day, Father. As we seek you, we find you, Father. Thank you for every person that's in this room that has chosen to be here this morning, Father. That have made the effort and the choice to place their feet here to worship you together with the church family today. God, I pray that we would hear from you this morning, that our hearts would be open to you, that our minds would be open to you, that you would speak to us, Father, we could hear. We just want to give you this time this morning, Lord. I pray you would use me in the way that you want to be spoken about this morning, Lord. The message that you want to use, Lord, I pray, I would say those words and no other words but yours. We thank you that you are loving and that you are faithful and that you are good. And that you are just so for us all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. How's everyone this morning? It's a great day to praise God, isn't it? I think it's a great day to praise the Lord today. I am so excited because this morning I get to share about worship. And worship is something I am extremely passionate about forever I think since the day I was conceived I love worship I love everything about it and this morning I get to share a little bit about worship and not only is it uh, I don't know if I've met all of you but my name is Angela and I am on staff here and my primary role is worship which is exciting when you get to do the job that you love to do things that you love to do you get to do it as a job I think that's brilliant I used to struggle with being called the worship director because I used to say, I don't want to be responsible for people's worship. That's on them. That's not my thing. And so I, used to, I, I made them change it in the past to the music and the creative ministries director. So that's what I oversaw. But through a journey, I was also challenged in that Let's, let's, let's make it about creating a space and making sure there's an emphasis that worship is happening here. Not so much about the music and the creative ministries, but that God is being worshipped here. And I love that. So this morning as I was um, preparing, some of the things that God showed me this week were that um, he, wanted, he challenged me to actually just talk about the basics of worship. Not to go deep and theological about a bunch of different things, but actually just go to the basics. Just remind us why we do what we do. And um, this morning, we had a wonderful worship time with our 845 congregation. And our 845 congregation, the question I'm going to be posing to you this morning actually is this. What kind of worship does God love most? So at our church here, we have three very different styles of worship, and Tim's alluded to this in the previous messages that he's shared, but at 8.45 this morning, we have our lovely early risers who sing lovely hymns. They respond to hymns. They love the hymns, and they love the old courses. and in those hymns, we have noticed that a lot of the times, the things that they love to sing is gospel truth. They want to sing about what the truth is. So they tell the story, basically, in the songs about Jesus and about how he came and how about how he paid for our sins, about how he died. But they often end also with pointing us towards the eternity. That's where we're heading. This is why we're doing what we're doing. So our 845 services often have hymns like Crown Him with Many Crowns. The Lamb upon the throne Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns All music but its own Does anyone know this song? Sing with me. Awake my soul and sing Of him who died for me And hail him as the matchless king through all eternity. Then we have our 1030 service. You guys. Woohoo! <laughs> we have our family, mostly families. And We thought, what I've noticed, and Tim alluded to this before, too, is that we like our ballad style. So it's like starts kind of small, builds, builds, builds to a big chorus, and then bridge, 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 truth, truth, back to the chorus sort of style music. This is what we love at 1030. This is what you guys respond to, we notice, because I kind of watch, but not like creepily. I hope it's not creepy. (laughs) But I like to see what you respond to. And these are the songs you like to respond to, like, oh, praise the name. I feel like maybe because we're families, we need to sing out the truth. We need to declare it. So I call them the anthematic style, like the declaration um, and the pow- of God's power, basically. So we have like the what a beautiful name. You get to, obviously, worship leader here. You get to the bridge. This is what this means if you see us doing up here weird signals. I don't care if you guys know, but this is where we're going, to the bridge. And the bridge is always that big moment. And it's like, you have no rival you have no equal now and forever god you reign yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names and then we go into the big chorus and it's like can't stop there all the singers are like we gotta sing the next line this is our 10:30 service. We love to declare our worship, our praise to Him. Then we have our 6 p.m. 6 p.m.ers, those that tend to attend this service. We have found that I found that what they love to respond to is more of a de- deeper, reflective style, which is actually not normal for young not not <laughs> not that they're not normal. I love you guys if you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> But traditionally, 6 p.m. youth and young adult services are like up, God," which is also good. and I'm, I'm okay with that. But what I'm seeing they're responding to is actually the more psalm-like things, so very poetic. There's lots of words about things, pictures, descriptions, ideas of things, and then repetition. And they like to sing something over and over and over again. So we have a song like How He Loves. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy, when all of a sudden. I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us, oh. And at 6 p.m., they'd repeat that course again and again. How he loves us, how he loves us. And one of the things I'd like to say about repetition, as I've heard a couple say, oh, a couple people, not many, but some, that have said, oh, repetition, over and over and over again. We get the point, you know, da-da-da-da, let's move on. But actually, I feel like in today's world, repetition is so important. If you have kids, you know this. Because you find yourself repeating yourself a bazillion times a day, the same thing over and over and over again. But sometimes repetition kind of like something goes in and out one ear and out, in one ear and out the other. You kind of don't catch it. And what I'm finding in our culture today is that there's so many different ads, so many different um, things that are trying to vie for our attention and our time all the time that actually repetition is good. Because they need to hear the truth again and again, to take it from the lips to the mind, and then settle it in the heart. It's like, oh uh, you know, one of the other ones we think is Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. And we sing that. Oh yeah, Jesus, you silence fear. Yeah, make the darkness tremble. Sing it again. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, I have this situation. Oh, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Yes, you silence fear. And as they sing it over and over and over again, it almost comes as a mantra or like something that you repeat to yourself to remind yourself, even if you maybe basically don't believe it right away, but it helps to instill truth into that culture, into that, our next generation of, of believers. So we have these three different services we have our 8:45 gospel truth. We have our 10:30 declaration songs, we have our 6 p.m. poetry and repetition. Which kind of worship does God love the most? Which one? Before you answer, I'm gonna let you answer. Romans 12, 1 to 2, and this is when I speak often into our groups, into our worship teams. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And in John 4, 23, we have the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And I believe that both of these scriptures reveal reveal the kind of worshiper that God is seeking. I don't think God's up there thinking, Oh, I feel like I need a little bit more praise today because I'm feeling a bit down. I'm seeking the world, looking for people that will worship me. Um, Yeah, that's not what that means. God is God. He created everything. So when we worship, we're actually being at our full uh, extent of what we were designed to do, and that's a good place for us to be. So, He is seeking us to be worshiping Him because He knows that's the blessed, best place that we can be. So, blessed, I said blessed, but yes, best and blessed place you could be. In the Romans passage, it talks about offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? How does that look? What's a living sacrifice? In the Old Testament, they talked about sacrifices a lot, didn't they? Especially when it was a paying for or atoning for sins, you had to sacrifice an animal or a bird or a grain offering or something like that. And it was used to pay for or atone for your sins. What's a living sacrifice mean? Back then, it was dead. They offered dead sacrifice. Jesus came and he died on the cross for us. But what happened? The cross isn't the end of the story. What's the next bit that's the most powerful? I think tons of people were murdered on crosses. What's the most powerful thing of the story? Is that he rose again and that there was life again, right? So that's exciting. We are not dead sacrifices. We are living sacrifice. So our sacrifice is not dead but alive. And so our sacrifice is holy and pleasing to God. What does that mean? I'm not a holy Person, I don't particularly feel holy, as in holy, or however we might look at it. I don't think God is saying in the scriptures, I'm going to set an impossible standard for you to reach so you'll never reach it and always fail. What does holy mean for us? How can we be holy when we're sinful? What does that look like? So I don't believe God was saying, I want you to be a superhero, super holy whatever name you want to come up for yourself. I think holy in this context is about being set apart, doing things differently than the world does, and knowing that your heart is surrendered to God. And when your heart is surrendered to God, with his grace and in his grace and mercy, that we are set apart and we are holy because he made us holy, not because of anything that we have done, because he makes us holy. And this is about living the life God designed for us. So it's talking about setting that scripture is about, you know, um, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. is about setting yourself apart. And I don't usually like to use the message as a rule to preach from, but I like how Eugene Peterson puts it into, like, practical terms in this case where he says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take everything that you do and place that before God as an offering. Now, think about yesterday, Saturday, February 22nd. Look at your day for yesterday. How did that look as an offering to God? One of the interesting interesting things I read, I read recently, which is not in my notes, is I was reading Amos 5, who is, like, known as the prophet of doom. I like that name as a prophet. Um, but he was often the <laughs> referred to as prophet of doom because he talks about all the bad things that are going to happen and then a little bit of redemption at the end. Um, all the other prophets are a little bit like, bad things, but redemption, bad things, but redemption. And... And Amos is like, bad, 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 bad. A little bit of redemption. But in that, one of the things he says about his um, about the people is that the Lord is angry with the religious festivals of worship. And these were Christian or people followers, not Christian followers of, of God at the time. He was unhappy with where they were coming from. And, and um, I found it interesting that he, God was not pleased with the offering. And I realized when you look at offering, an offering can be accepted or rejected. It is presented with the hopes it will be accepted. An offering is something with the hopes that it's accepted. When I started looking at that, it meant it was so different in how I brought my offering of worship or praise in my everyday life to him. Um, So we're talking about an everyday life. How do we do this? How does that even look? So like I'm sitting at my computer or I'm, You know, doing all the different things that I do as a a work person. How do I offer my life as a living sacrifice to God and make it holy and pleasing and make sure that it's worship to Him? How does that look? And I had this specific Bible reading read today, and it's not traditionally one we use for worship topics. We often use the Romans one or different ones. But I loved it because it says it all. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind absolutely everything that's in you love him with that so it doesn't matter if you're driving or if you're working behind a desk or if you're selling clothes or whatever it is that you're doing if you are loving God with that whatever it is you're doing that he will be praised and blessed through it then that is worship and the second thing is, is as important love your neighbor as yourself Let's go back to Amos 5, what I was talking about earlier. The reason why the Lord was so angry with the people and the offering that they brought was not because it wasn't like the first, like it wasn't the prettiest offering or something. It was because he said, because you are not bringing justice here. You are forgetting about loving your neighbor. You have forgotten about that part. And that is so much a big part of worshiping me. And because you have forgotten that, your religious festivals mean nothing to me. Your worship means nothing to me. His, their offering was rejected. Whoa. I wasn't going to go there today, but here we are again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the best kind of worship we can have. And that's what a living sacrifice will look like. God loves a surrendered heart, and that's basically what those two things say. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's a surrendered heart to him in everything. When you love your neighbor, that's actually surrender as well because that causes you, requires sacrifice. Surrender, surrender, when your heart is surrendered. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. So if worship is more than just singing and music. And it's about loving God with everything that we have and loving our neighbor as ourself, if that's what really worship is about, and God is seeking that in us, why do we bother coming together to worship on Sunday? What's the point? Like, who cares? If that's not what it's about, why do we do it? What's the deal with that? The first thing that I want to touch on is one of the vision or core value things that we've talked about a couple times in our, our, our vision statement is about being family. And one of the things that I love about music is it connects people quicker than anything else. I find it's kind of like an icebreaker <laughs> for church. When you come together and you sing, it creates this family culture where we're doing something together. It's one of the few things, other than communion, that we participate on from the seat. It's not just receiving, but you're actually participating. So it creates a culture in the old days, in the Old Testament, or in the biblical days, sorry, um, they used to do everything together as families. All your aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters and everybody came with you and traveled with you and did everything together and ate together and slept together, but also like um, worshipped together. And our culture today is not the same, so it's a bit trickier for churches nowadays, because we have quite an individualistic, sort of independent mindset about things. And sometimes it's an all-about-me culture. It's all about me. So when we're in community and we're trying to build this community, singing can actually help break down some of those barriers. And it helps set some of those barriers down so that we can be realizing we're a family together, but not only the barriers between one another, but between us and God. I don't know if it's ever happened to you before, but you've been one phase of whatever between you and God, and then after you worship, the difference of coming before God after you've worshiped is completely different because your heart is at a place of surrender. Often, worship will help you come to that place of surrender. And I love what Paul says in Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Ephesians 5.15 says, Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. It talks about all the unwise ways of living. But in verse 19, it says, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that's so cool about it, I read in both of them, it says, these are the lines, um, Teach and admonish one another and speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs. We don't tend to come to church thinking we're singing to one another. Most of the lines are about, you know, yes, we sing about God, but it actually encourages us to do that to one another, to admonish us, to teach us, and that it's actually a community thing. It's not just a you and God on your own worship thing. It's to encourage us in our worship together. I love that. And it builds unity. And unity is something we can do together. You know, when we sing together, it builds unity like nothing else, I find. One of the practical ways, actually I've read studies, is that when we sing together, our hearts actually start to beat together. I think it's probably because of phrasing. If we sing at the same time and breathe at the same time, it probably causes that, I don't know. But isn't that an interesting thing to think about, your hearts beating as one? So even physically, as we sing and as we worship together, brings us into a place of unity. Tim shared a scripture a couple weeks ago from Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Worship can stir someone else in their worship as well. When we worship together, it stirs us to look upwards. This morning, I actually did something. I looked at you as you worshiped. Sorry for being creepy again. Um, as we sang together, there were so many of us that had our heads down. It almost looked like you had the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you may have. And I just thought, oh man, you just need to look up. Look up. Look up. Not for the sake of looking up, but look to Jesus. Everything that we do must point to Jesus. That's the heart of surrender. That's loving God with everything. It's pointing people to Jesus with everything that we've got. And yes, you might not be the greatest singer or know all the songs super well, but you know when you worship, it actually encourages someone else to worship. I have a prime example. I'm going to actually use you, Lee, again. Lee is like <laughs> always featured. <laughs> but, this is, not, this is hilarious because Lee is a terrible singer. This is how we're going to feature him today. I love you, babe. Lee doesn't sing all that well, let's say it that way. But you know what? I have been stirred in my worship more by Lee than most anybody else. Because you know why? When he comes, he values community. He values being here. He values surrendering his heart to God in community with other people, even though he can't sing all that well, because he understands who God is to him, and he is someone that is worthy to be praised at all times. And if we're here to be worshiping him, let's do that. One day, and this is what happens in my mind, when worship is happening sometimes, I'm thinking about Who's the next person up? Do they have the microphone? What's the next thing up? And oh, is is that everything's sound, sound down? Everything's all good. Everybody's happy. So my mind is in a few places. And that morning, there was one morning in particular, I remember thinking a few things. I was still there worshiping. But Helson saw to the corner of my eye, kneel down on his knees. And it's not something we tend to do very often in our services, but it's something that caught my breath. Because I saw someone kneel before his creator. He's not a singer. I'll tell you, though, every word will be in right rhythm. He's a drummer. (laughs) He's not a singer. But his heart is so for God. He's like, this is a place we've set aside a Sunday where we are coming here and we are going to worship God together. I am not missing this opportunity. I am not missing this opportunity to worship God. God. And God has spoken to him so many times of saying about obedience and different things, of being obedient even in worship, and saying, you are my God. I will do whatever you ask me to. I can't care so much about anyone else, but his worship stirred mine. And all of a sudden, I was like, what's he singing about? What are the words? Oh, the words. Yeah, the words are this and this and this. I can't even remember the song. I wish I did. The story would be so much more effective. But it was singing, you know, usually what I've realized for, he, for him, <laughs> I won't say that actually, but one of the things I've found is that when he worships, it stirs me in my worship. Have you ever had that before? You see someone worshiping and you know they're connecting, and it stirred you to do the same. The last point I want to make here is that when we worship together, it's kind of like a taste of what's to come. This is our eternal inheritance. So if you're tired of singing now, just wait. <laughs> it's coming. We're all going to be singing together. It says that everything that God created, everything under the earth and above the earth and below the earth and in the earth, as, uh, will be coming to a place of worshiping him and kneeling before him. If you ever read Revelations, there's some pictorial stuff that is amazing and probably I I just think is just amazing, a a, a view into into the heavenly realms. Everything around us is praising the Creator. I, I saw an article online once that said, the only eternal thing on this earth is worship. And I thought, that's so true. That's just crazy. That's amazing. The only thing eternal on this earth is worship. And it goes on and on and on. Everything around us is praising the Creator. In Revelations 5.11, it says, I, heard, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 th- 10, times, 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. That it heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and that all that is in them sang to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb: be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And another scripture in Revelations four, I think four eight or something, it talks about them singing the heavenly creatures singing. Those are the areas of dominion of God, those four different creatures singing over and over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Let's stand. You know, when we sing together and we surrender our hearts into the moment, we give everything we got to God, everything. It changes. It can change a whole entire atmosphere of a space. There is so much power and praise, and I can't wait to preach on that one week. The power of what happens when we worship. is it so powerful what God can do through it. What kind of worship is God most pleased with? What kind of worship? I've lost you already. What kind of worship? A heart that is surrendered? One that uses our lives as an offering? That's the best kind of worship? I'm going to challenge you this morning. On this final song as we sing together, let's kind of let go of everything, all the brain challenges and gymnastics of family life and all that sort of stuff. And let's give 100% into worship. You will notice a difference in the room from five minutes ago. What's that? That's not a good song. That's not good singers, although those are nice. It's the spirit through worship doing something. When we do it together in unity You can see and you can feel, it's almost palpable, the change that happens. Let's give it 100%, shall we? Perfect song for the end.